All right. Good morning, everyone. All right. Last night was uh, last night was powerful. Amen. You know, just uh, that fire tunnel that um, Pastor Benjamin and Sonny led. I mean, it was it was just really uh, so powerful. You know, I think God God's spirit was really moving. Um, it was really powerful because. I saw, you know, a few of our new Philly guys getting jacked up. They were doing what Anthony was doing. <laughs> and you know it's the Holy Spirit because, uh, you know, the, even when they try to stop, they can't make it stop. You know, and they just feel free as they keep doing it. You know, that's the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes upon you that, with that powerfully. And uh, uh, what was interesting was the three girls that were getting the most jacked up from the new, new Philly team, uh, they're part of our college ministry. And so I really believe that God was just really empowering them, giving them uh, grace to go into uh, the future season with even greater anointing power for the college campus. Because, you know, when they hit those college campuses, they're going to meet demonic opposition. Uh, they're going to meet cold hearts. And they really need that grace. You know? And so God really marks people. And even Anthony, I really believe that God was marking you for purposes. I don't know if you're interested in ministry or if God's calling you into ministry. But the way God was marking you, you know. It's really uh, what I've seen on young people, yeah. and God marks them like that, yeah. is usually for them to do something set apart, yeah, yeah, yeah. perhaps the ministry, yeah. but follow the voice of your spiritual authority, because yeah. right. <laughs> they'll give you great clarity on that, on that matter. Uh, last night, our teammates, we did our uh, little debriefing, and we just talked about and we shared what we saw God doing yesterday, and they were just so encouraged by you guys. They were just so blessed. And uh, one of our team members said that uh, she prayed for uh, her small group and that her small group insisted on praying for her. And that was really touching to her because it was one of her first times really stepping into leadership. And uh, she's always been uncomfortable with leadership at New Philly. We've been always encouraging her. Step up and to identify yourself as a minister of God and a priest of the Lord, just as it says in Isaiah 61. And to really step up as a leader. And so she did. And for her to uh, really be honored in that way and to be blessed in that way, it really touched her heart. And our teammates also talked about how it was really significant how Pastor Benjamin and Sonny, at the end of the line, they declared over us that we are mature. That God is filling up the holes of our childhood, our development, and that we don't have to keep going back to it, that, that God is really bringing us uh, into adulthood, that rite of passage. And uh, one of, a couple of uh, our team guys were saying how nobody has ever done that for them. In fact, what most people have been saying over them is, you're so young. You're so immature. That's what they hear all their lives. And for the first time, a man of God declared over them, no, you are mature. And then I thought about it, and I realized that's one of the first times a man of God has done that for me as well. In fact, I was kind of being vulnerable with my team members and telling them that all my life, I've been thrust into positions of leadership. I, I was the youth group uh, president. I was the uh, president at uh, NYU for Campus Crusade for Christ. I was thrust into all these leadership positions. But even though I was in leadership, I always had this kegujengi, um, this... Um, playful side that you know like a Toys R Us song you know 
You know, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid, you know. I always had that, like, playful, childish, childlike, but childish. <laughs> you know, there's childlike, and God loves that. But there's childish, and when you're an adult, God doesn't like that so much. You need to mature, right? But I always wanted to hold on to that childish side. And so I always saw myself as a leader, but always making provision for immaturity. <laughs> and so it, it was really significant that Pastor Benjamin, at the end of that line, Pastor Sunday and Pastor Benjamin were just declaring over me that I'm mature. And he rebuked that foolishness and childishness out of me. And in a way, it was funny, but in another way, I had to receive it. That's powerful. It's powerful. And... Uh, I actually had a difficult time receiving those words in full, right, if I had to be really honest. And so I believe I'm still in the process of receiving it and believing it firmly. And, you know, maturity is twofold. It's like a paradox. You are mature, but you are also being made mature. This is the way the Bible talks about us. The Bible says you are sanctified by the blood of Christ, but you are also being sanctified. But many times, God likes to speak with vocabulary on the side of the, of the former. He likes to call us, like the Apostle Paul, when he wrote his letters to his churches, he always addressed them to the saints at, in the church at Ephesus, to the saints in Corinth. He called the believers saints, which means pretty much holy ones, sanctified ones. But a lot of times in our churches, what do the pastors call us? You are sinners saved by grace. You are wicked sinners. And a lot of times, uh, it's out of good intention. You know, it's a lot of the reform guys will do that in order for us to continually have the good news of Jesus Christ before us. Because there is power in the gospel uh, to continually fill our hearts with thanksgiving and continue to grow us. But the, I think the downside of doing that too much, calling us sinners, is it does not address us as the Bible addresses us. And it can actually end up putting an identity upon us that God is trying to shed off of us. The sinner is not really our identity. That's the old man. The old man likes to creep up on us now and then. Sometimes we like to use our resurrection power to resurrect that old man. But the apostle Paul says, consider him dead. We got to consider ourselves dead because we are a new creation. And that new identity is a saint. You are a holy one. And the more you will see yourself as pure and holy the more you will walk and behave as one that is pure and holy. And I believe the same can be said about maturity. The more you see and identify yourself in full maturity, in Christ's likeness, the more you will behave and act and become more Christ-like. So you are mature, saints of God. And at the same time, be patient and be gracious with yourself because you are becoming more mature. Amen? Amen? Amen. I love uh, Romans 4.17. Uh, it says, God is the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. You know, God is outside of time. 
He is enthroned in heaven. And when you're in that kind of position, you speak different. So God, when he sees us, he calls things that are not as though they were. And so that's why he, he calls you, he, call, he goes up to Gideon, who's, uh, who's paralyzed with fear and trepidation in the wine press, threshing wheat. And the angel of the Lord comes up to him and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon is like, mighty warrior? I'm not no mighty warrior. I'm here threshing wheat in a wine press. I'm, I'm hiding out. If I'm, a, if I'm a mighty warrior, if the Lord is with us, then why, why are the Midianites continually terrorizing us? Why are the Midianites being allowed to come through our villages and take our women and, and take our property? And, you know, he, he, he reacted in the flesh. But the angel of the Lord distinctly called him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. God is a God that calls things that are not as though they were. Perhaps this weekend you heard the voice of the Lord calling you something that made you really uncomfortable. Calling you beautiful. But for all your life you've struggled with feeling beautiful. Calling you strong and courageous. But the very thing you're going through right now is a battle with fear. And you're like, God, why, why, are, you, why are you teasing me? Why are you playing with my heart? Quit playing games with my heart. Right? I'm sorry. I don't know why I break out in song when I preach. It's just a habit of mine. God, why are you playing with me? It's, just, it's not that God's playing with you. It's just that God is the God who, who raises, who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. So in God's eyes, it's already a done deal. And so he calls you by that. And in fact, a wise and discerning pastor will do the same thing for you. And Pastor Benjamin and Sonny, they are wise. I mean, they're the first ones in my life that mentor me in such a way that when I get a prophetic discernment about what somebody's going through, they taught me not to call it out, but to prophesy the exact opposite. So if I see a gentleman come up and I immediately discern that he's dealing with pornography or he's dealing with some kind of sexual immorality, instead of being like, the Lord says that you are struggling with immorality, and he says, repent, therefore, <laughs> and times of refreshing will come upon you. you know, back in the day, I was probably toward the way I would prophesy. Or if they're struggling with fear, I'll say, the Lord says, he's, he sees the fear in your heart, and he says, take courage, right? But instead of doing that, in fact, for certain ministers, their words have such weight and authority that even describing what they see is, is, it puts people in danger of being established in that. So Master Benjamin and Sonny says, you, there's so much authority, Christian, in your voice. All right, even if you describe what you see, you might establish them in it. So you know what? What's, what's really powerful? This is how God speaks. Speak like God speaks. Cause things that are not as though they were. Prophesy the exact opposite and prophesy them out of it. Decree them out of it. And so that's what we've done uh, when we do ministry, when we travel, when we prophesy. You know, we follow what Pastor Benjamin and Sonny have taught us. And it's made a world of a difference. Like, we've seen young men come up and the first thing that Pastor Aaron will say is, The Lord says you are pure. 
And to a man who's been struggling with like sexual immorality and pornography, when you say something like that, they just break. They just break. And they're like, what? For a moment, they're like, your prophetic gifting's not that accurate, right? <laughs> but the moment they realize that it's the voice of the Father saying, no, you are pure. You're my beloved son. You are clean. You are clothed in righteousness. Why can't you see that? I want you to see that for yourself. Start walking in that victory. Walk in that purity because that's who you are. That's what you are. It's powerful. It's powerful. And so, you know, what Pastor Benjamin did last night was both prophetic and apostolic. For some of you, it was prophetic because it described the process that God has brought you through. For others, it was apostolic because you still feel very immature and you, feel, you might still act out very immature. But God, through, through his word, is decreeing you out of that immaturity. For my last message, uh, the first message I preached, I, I talked about the power of impartation. And, you know, these three messages that I'm preaching this weekend, largely the way I chose the three messages was what are the three it's not comprehensive but what are three messages that i can preach that will communicate what i feel were some of the most important aspects of building a young adults ministry because all of you are representing young, young adult ministries right and so i want you to go away from this retreat with simple, clear messages that will be burned in your minds and on your hearts that you will not be able to shake off, that will give you insight and revelation on how to build a young adult ministry. And so first I talked about the power of impartation. I talked about how if you try to disciple young people without the pouring out of God's spirit upon them, you're going to have a very difficult time. It's going to be like trying to break up concrete with a hammer. Because the hearts of a lot of these young people, especially if they go through high school and college, we get a very liberal education right now. The school systems are contaminated with a lot of demonic infiltration. A lot of demonic strongholds, lies have been put into the curriculum. And so when the young people go through that, their hearts are quite hard. And the way that God breaks through that is by pouring out his spirit. God says in the Old Testament, book of Jeremiah, I will take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. When the spirit of God gets poured out, a zeal for Jesus starts to rise up. And so I talked about how when there's impartation, your discipleship ministry just comes alive. Because your small group leaders will see much greater success and fruit And not just seasonal fruit, but permanent fruit. Not just temporary fruit, where young people are like excited for Jesus for the four years of their college uh, education. But when they graduate college, they turn away from Jesus. But I'm talking about permanent fruit. Disciple makers will see permanent fruit when there is a continual embracing of the impartation. The ministry of impartation at their local church. The second message last night, I talked about the blessings of corporate prayer. If you want to steward the impartations you received and see it grow 
and see it produce wisdom and see it produce righteousness in the lives of the young people, you got to emphasize and you got to learn the discipline and the delight of raising up a prayer movement at the church. And so I don't know if you have certain prayer meetings or if you feel like there's a prayer movement at your church, but I want to encourage you, make a commitment in your heart this weekend to pray into and to be committed to your local church's prayer movement. I know Living Hope has Thursday Thunder. They also have a prayer meeting on Sundays before the Sunday service. The Ark, I'm sure you guys also have a a powerful prayer movement. The Ark was actually birthed out of prayer. So Ark, you are betraying your very roots if you're not praying. All the Arkers, y'all need to be committed to your prayer movement. It was birthed out of 40 days of fasting and prayer. Got to pray. And I'm not sure what's going on at reality or radiance, but I'm sure God's already moving there. And as you go back, I pray that you will be a breath of life to your church's prayer movements. And that you will be like a fire, a fire seed that gets in there and starts to ignite other people on fire for prayer. You know, the impartation that you receive on the first night and even last night as you're going through the fire tunnel, the cool thing about impartation is it's transferable. And so you got the anointing on you, you got the fire on you. When you step out and lay hands on others, it can transfer through you. So we saw this in the early days of uh, New Philly. When we were discipling some college students, we would pray for impartation. And I remember this one young lady, she went back to her liberal, liberal arts college. It was a very liberal, liberal arts college. And she met in our Bible study with a bunch of um, Caucasian students that had never experienced the Holy Spirit. And so they asked, they, she shared her testimony. They got really excited and they said, please pray for us. Please pray for us. And she, she, didn't even, she didn't even get leadership training at New Philly, you know. So she's like, all right, well, I guess it won't hurt. And so she just imitated what she saw Pastor Aaron and I do. She just got up, told him to get up, and she just put her hand on their heads. And she said they fell out, got slain in the power of the Holy Spirit, and started crying. Pray for the next girl, started shaking uncontrollably. And so she, she was just looking at her hands like, wow, I'm powerful. It's because the impartation, the anointing is transferable. It's meant to spread. But what's unfortunate is sometimes Christians, they just receive it and they keep it to themselves. But the nature of fire is, fire spreads. Oil, if you touch anything oily, you get oily. Oil is supposed to make things flow. Oil is sticky, you know. So, you know, God uses these symbols of oil and fire for the Holy Spirit to show that you are to release it unto others. So even if somebody wasn't at this retreat and you share your testimony. Now, when you share your testimony, it's like preaching a sermon to them. Because the testimony of Jesus is spirit of prophecy. So when you share that testimony, you're almost prophesying what God did in me at the retreat, God will do for you. And if the person hears that testimony, they're going to get excited. Faith is going to rise up. And then you can be like, you know what? 
Let me lay hands and pray for you. Let's see what the Holy Spirit does. And you, some of you guys are going to pray for people, and pray, people are just going to start manifesting. For others, you're going to pray for people, and it's just going to be mad calm. And if it's like that, but you still sense the Holy Spirit moving, you just say, just receive, brother. <laughs> just receive. You know, for most of my life, I don't, I don't really uh, physically manifest when, when the Holy Spirit comes on me or when a man of God prays for me. So even when, it, when I was a college student, uh, my college mentor, Brother Michael, used to lay hands on me. And he'll just be like, when I lay hands on you, brother, the Spirit of the Lord says the anointing, the anointing power of God is going to come upon you. And, I, and I'm going to lay my hands on you right now. In about a second, I'm going to lay hands on you. And the anointing's going to come on you, right? He'll set me up. and He'll hype me up like that. And I'll be like, all right, all right, all right, I'm ready, I'm ready. And the moment he'll lay his hands on me, for me, physically, nothing. And then he'll be like, just receive, brother. Just receive that. And I'll be like, all right, Lord, I don't feel nothing, but I receive. I receive the anointing. Right? And then he'll be like, my hand is getting hot. You might, heal, you might feel my hand getting hot, brother. That's just the anointing. And I'll be like, like half the time it got hot, and the other half it didn't. But you know, I just still received. I remember my junior year at NYU, I went to Kazakhstan for a mission trip. And I had been to Kazakhstan the first, the two summers of my freshman and sophomore years. But after I got these impartation prayers from Brother Michael, when I went my junior year, oh man, it was like night and day. The, the biggest thing I remember is there was a boldness inside of me that wasn't there before. And so I remember uh, we went to this city called Stepnogorsk. It's a city in Kazakhstan where they used to produce, where the USSR, when it was part of, the, part of Russia, when Kazakhstan used to be part of Russia. That's where the USSR used to store and, and manufacture all their anthrax. So it's not a city that most missionaries like to go to. <laughs> and I remember going to that city and our missions team, we were practicing body worship. And, you know, it was like the old school body worship, you know, you know. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. You know, put most people to sleep when they did the body worship. But I remember we were practicing, and a drunk Russian man came into our team meeting. And he brought, like, this dinky little boombox. And he's, like, blasting, like, some hard rock music. And he, and he brought it in, and he just started, like, disturbing our, our practice. And our team leader got scared, and she's like, tell that man to go away. And so I went over to him, and I was going to just tell him to uh, get out. But when I went over to him, the Spirit of the Lord came upon me, and I just felt boldness rise up. And I said, Zarina, come over and translate for me. And Zarina uh, was our translator. She came over, and she's like, yeah? And I said, tell this man that he is interrupting a godly moment here. We're practicing body worship for the King of Kings. He's interrupting a holy moment. And so she translates that. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I said, translate this. Ask him if he knows Jesus. And the guy goes, no. And so from that point on, I started boldly preaching the gospel to him. And he was, he was, uh, he was a little bit drunk. And, you know, my team leader, her philosophy was, if they're drunk, you can't preach the gospel to them. They're not going to understand it. But what I remember from Christian radio is, well, I remember I was listening to Christian radio, and one person said, you know, it doesn't matter if you're drunk on drugs, just come as you are. Jesus wants you to come as you are. 
he'll clean you up he'll sober you up and so I was preaching to him I was praying under my breath Lord sober him up right now so he can understand the gospel message and so you know long story short as I preached the gospel to him he started breaking down and crying and I, and I was like Zarina ask him why he's crying and then he started to confess that he was part of the Russian army and he had gone into the towns of Chechnya, went into villages of two, 3,000 people, told them to line up, dig their own graves, and they would just shoot just villages of people. You know, you know, you know Chechnya, you know, Russia is still very much at war with the, the Chechen rebels. And there's a lot of terrorism that goes on with these people. But, you know, there, there's, a, there's just a lot of things that the Russian army done that is completely wicked. And he was just, he said that he just felt like his hands were stained in blood because he had killed so many innocent women and children in that village. And he said, he said the, the pain of this sin, this, this stains, it was tor- tormenting his soul. And that's why he just keeps drinking every single day. And so I preached to him and, I, and, I, and with bonus, I said, you know what? You give your life to Jesus and the blood of Christ will cleanse away all your sin. He will set you free from that. And you know what? You need to forgive yourself for what happened. But first, you need to receive forgiveness of Christ. And I just, I just preached the gospel to him. And you know what? He received Christ. At the end of the gospel presentation, Zarina was shaking. And she was like, I've never seen anything like that. And she was just tears in her eyes. She said, I've never seen anything like that. Christian, you are bold. This man came back the next day. I gave him a copy of the Bible. Pray for him. And he was, he was just so thankful. During that entire mission trip, that happened again and again and again. Just like moments where the Spirit of God would just come upon me with boldness. So I want to encourage you, whether you manifest or not. And when, when you pray for others, when you go back home, whether they manifest or not. You sense the Spirit of God working. You just say, receive, brother receive my hand might get a little hot but just receive all right that's the anointing just receive that receive that thank you jesus receive that right the real evidence of the anointing coming on your life isn't the physical manifestation the real evidence is the fruit of that of that impartation the fruit is there you should get over the fact that there's no manifestation you know manifestation i believe god just gives it to some people just to, just to convince them beyond shadow of doubt because they just need it at that season in their life. Either that or it's just the way that God's made them. Some people are just more, more sensitive. Like Pastor Benjamin and my wife, Pastor Aaron, they're very sensitive. <laughs> and so a lot of times when they, get, when they get prayer for impartations, they would just start shaking, wilding out. I remember the first time I prayed for Pastor Benjamin, it was after Niagara Conference. And I was just going to bless him. And I just, I said, may the fire of the Holy Spirit just come upon you in a fresh way. And I remember praying for him. He went, and he just wild, he fell like nobody caught him. (laughs) I remember he got up, he said, I feel tingly all over. That's the fire of the Holy Spirit. That's powerful. I saw, I saw angels of like seraphim, uh, seraphim of fire angelic hosts of fire were all around you as as you were praying for me and i was like oh really that's awesome that's awesome but some people are just more sensitive like relationally emotionally and it also tends to be they have a spiritual sensitivity 
And people like that, you know, they just have, you know, they just get to manifest more. All right? But, you know, the important thing is the substance, the fruit of the impartation. Amen? Now, don't get me wrong. I still want to experience powerful manifestation. All right? I'm waiting any day, any day now. All right? If he wants to come on me, I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, and today, I want to close with the third message. First was the power of impartation. Second was the blessing of corporate prayer. The third message is holding fast to prophetic words. You want to see a strong young adult ministry, and you want to see your church, no matter how old it grows, continue to reach the young generation, you got to learn how to hold fast to the prophetic words that God gives you. You got to hold fast to the prophetic words that God gives to the house, and to the ones he gives to you personally. You know, sometimes some people, they only look for personal prophetic words. And then they, they take that and they receive that. But when prophetic words go out for the house, they're like, ah, yeah, yeah, and they don't really care. Now, you need to have an ownership for both prophetic words. Because if a prophetic word goes out for your local church, oh, it's going to affect you. Especially if a prophetic word goes out for your lead pastors. If you have a lead pastor or a married couple that's doing it together, lead pastors, when you hear a prophetic word go out for them, that's for you. Because they're your leaders. And the anointing does flow from the top down. And if they will steward those prophetic words well, you're going to be blessed. You know, a lot of the prophetic words that we've gone for New Philly, it's come in a package in which it was prophesied over, over Aaron or over myself or over us together. It wasn't always a prophecy for New Philly. It was a prophecy for Pastor Christian or a prophecy for Pastor Aaron. But believe me, it's going to affect you. If Pastor Benjamin gets a prophetic word to plant a church in Los Angeles, and then two years later, he wants to build up a team. He says, the Lord is, it says it's time to fulfill this prophetic word. I'm looking for people that are willing to move down to L.A. and plant this church down there. It's going to affect you. Especially if God has chosen you to go and be part of that team. Right now, that's what's happening to our new Philly guys. They heard all these prophetic words that Pastor Christian received about planting a church in Australia. And they were like excited. They were like, all right. But now that I punched them to actually move down to Australia, they're like, oh man, this is serious. <laughs> a lot of them, when I punched them, they, they, they were just trembling. They were just like, Whoa. I thought this, that had just to do with Pastor Christian, but now, now it's affecting me. The anointing flows from the top down. So whatever prophecy you hear for the house and you hear for your lead pastors, that's going to be a prophecy that's going to affect you. So you got to learn how to steward those prophetic words and release faith into those prophetic words. You know, prophetic words that are big and huge, that are not just for a situation, but are for seasons that lasts months, even years, big prophetic words requires you to release faith continually into them. It's not like just one moment of faith where you say, Lord, I believe this prophetic word. I receive it. Thank you. No, you say that, and then two months later, you struggle whether to believe it or not. And you, you listen to it again, and you say, Lord, I believe this prophetic word. I release faith. Lord, help me to overcome my unbelief. And then two months later, you got to release faith into it again. When, when God told Abraham, leave your country and your homeland and go to a place that you do not know. 
Abraham believed the Lord and was credited to him as righteousness. And when God said, through, I'm go- you're going to have a son, even though in your old age, you're going to have a son. That was a difficult prophetic word for Abraham and Sarah to believe. In fact, Sarah responded with laughter. And the angel of the Lord said, you laughed. And she said, no, I didn't. <laughs> but she, she laughed. The promises of God on, for them were so huge. They were laughable promises. They were hilarious when you think about it. A hundred-year-old man, 90-year-old woman having a child. She thought, oh, man, the whole town's going to have a, have a trip with this one. She laughed about it because she had a hard time releasing faith for it. In fact, they had a moment where they tried to help God out. They're like, God, uh, it seems like you need help fulfilling this prophetic word. So uh, we got this maidservant here, Hagar. Uh, I'm going to have Abraham go with Hagar, and we're going to try to make this happen. Maybe God meant uh, it would happen through any woman, just whoever, just through Abraham. But God specifically gave the prophetic word that it would come through Abraham and Sarah. Sarah had a role to play. It had to come through her womb. And so, there's a con- so, so big prophetic words, there's a need for us to continually listen, read, and release faith again and again and again until the word comes to pass. I want you to turn to Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 2 and 3. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. I'm going to read it in the ESV here. Just follow along whatever translation you have. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So the prophet Habakkuk, the spirit of the Lord comes and says, write down the vision. So the first thing I want to I teach you about holding fast to the prophetic words is, when you hear a prophecy for the house, for your lead pastors, or for yourself personally, write them down. You got to record those prophetic words. You know, a lot of young people, they, they, don't, they don't know how to handle prophecy. And so, you know, even like prophecy that is, uh, that is just about exhortation, encouragement, edification, they don't even write those things down. But you know what? Some of those words are some of the most important words to write down because they, they concern your identity. They concern how you see yourself. And if that doesn't change, God's not going to release the details of what you're supposed to do. Because if you are not who he wants you to be, if you're not at that place of character to steward the assignment, he can release the assignment, but you may, you may not be able to be faithful in it. So when prophetic words are released regarding your dignity, regarding your identity, it's even more important to write those things down. 
But the first thing that Habakkuk is told here is write the vision, make it plain on tablets. Now, we don't have tablets today. Or we do. <laughs> we have iPads and iPad minis and Galaxy Notes, right? Uh, personally, I like to write it down. Uh, sometimes I'll get it in email form, and I'll just take and copy and paste those emails, and I'll put it into a folder in my Dropbox that syncs to all my computers and all my devices. I put it into a folder that says Prophecies. And I have a section, a folder for Prophecies for PC. That's me. Prophecies for PE. That's my wife. Prophecies for New Philly. And I even have a folder that says Prophecies for Others. Just so I can keep an eye on people. You know, just to see if the Lord, what the Lord does. You know, if the Lord says, you know, you're a worship leader. The Lord says you're a mighty anointed worship leader. And, I, you know, in, in the natural, I don't see any of that. I'm, I'm going to still record that and put it in that folder just in case that person ends up. I mean, I believe that the person will, will be a mighty worship leader. But you, you just never know when the Lord's going to fulfill that. So I have a folder for people, uh, prophecies for others. And... In, the, in this folder, I have PDFs, I have text files, I have MP3s, I have video files. Whatever form that I'm able to capture it in, I write it down and I make it plain. You see, any knucklehead can say, I receive, I believe the prophetic word. But it takes a man of faith to write it down and make it plain on tablets. You know, a lot of times when I'm hanging out with PB, and this is just, it just really proves that, that God has ordained Pastor Benjamin and Sonny to be my spiritual mother and father. Because the spirit of prophecy would just come upon them so powerfully. And it'll just be over dinner. A lot of times it's when I'm driving, which is, it really irks me. <laughs> because when I'm driving, you know, I got to focus on the road, you know. But he starts saying all these prophetic words, and I want to take out a pad and pen and start writing it down, but I can't because I'm driving. So what I'll do, I'll pull out my phone. And, I, and you know what? I have a word of advice for every one of you. Do not use the built-in audio memo app that Apple gives you. It sucks. In fact, if it exceeds a certain time limit, you can't even send it. You can't even email it to yourself. You can't even get it off of this phone. All right, so what I would recommend is there's a 99-cent app, all right? I'm just, this, this is powerful revelation right here. There's an app called Audio Memos. One word, Audio Memos. It's a yellow icon app, all right? You use this app, and you can send the file no matter how big it is. You can send a sermon if you want. You can dr sync it to Dropbox. You can email it to yourself. You can do all kinds of things to it with it so that you can make sure you have it. So when, whenever the spirit of prophecy falls on Pastor Benjamin or Sonny, I'll take this thing out and I'll press record. And make sure you point the bottom of your phone. If you have an iPhone, the mic is on the bottom. Most people don't know that. They're like pointing it upside down and, you know, they're like wondering why the audio quality is so bad. All right, make sure the mic is pointed to the person's mouth. Right? And so while I'm driving, I just put it out like this. I'll put it on the dashboard and I'll make sure to record it. Because so many times, Pastor Benjamin... And Pastor Sonny have released key prophetic words into my marriage and into my ministry. Sharp, precise prophetic words. In fact, words that have kept me from making decisions 
that have, would have set me back years. God in his grace spoke through them so that I would stay on track. You know, a lot of people, they've experienced frustration in ministry just because they go off on a detour that God didn't ordain. They go off on a wilderness that God didn't tell them to go on. Now, God does ordain seasons of wilderness for us. But there are times we just wander into the desert. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, no, this is not wilderness season. Come back. A lot of times God will be gracious. He'll send you a man of God to keep you from going into that wilderness. But when that man of God speaks and you discern it to be the word of the Lord, make sure you write it down and make it plain. So it says there's so... So the one who reads it may run with it, for still the vision waits its appointed time. It's appointed time. What is that in the uh, Greek? Appointed time, we translate that as kairos. Prophecies, when they are prophesied, they always have a kairos moment attached to it. Or a Cairo season attached to it when the prophetic word starts being fulfilled. So I'll, I'll give you an example. When I was a junior in college, I got water baptized uh, by this pastor, Brother Michael. It was uh, June of year of 2000. Uh, June of 99 or 2000. I can't remember. Anyway, I was in college. And it's on YouTube. Just go, go uh, type up baptism of Christian Lee. All right? I put it on YouTube. Okay? And you can see the whole thing. I'm getting dunked. I'm a, a lot more muscular back then. You see me, you'll be like, is that not Pastor Christian? Oh, that's me. All right? I had this V-shaped back. You know, I, I was like, I was a real ba- muscular back then. Anyway, that's not the point. And after he dunks me in the water, he, he gets me to dress, and I, I change clothes, and he gets me in the middle, and some of my friends had come out to the service. And my friend happened to videotape it. I didn't even ask him to videotape it, but he videotaped it. And Brother Michael starts prophesying over me. And one of the things that he said that day was, you will meet your wife on the missions field, the Spirit of the Lord says. And that was significant for me. Because at that time in my life, the only thing I was talking, talking about and thinking about was marriage. I was like this hopeless romantic. I just wanted so badly to get married. And so the Lord just wanted me to have peace on that issue. So he said, you will meet your wife on the missions field. Now, what I did not know was that that word would not be fulfilled until about six years later, six to seven years later. I thought it would be fulfilled on the following mission trip that I went on. (laughs) So if you look at my missions trip uh, history, I went on missions trips every single summer from 1998 all the way to 2005. Every single summer, because I was looking for my wife. In fact, 1997 was the last time I saw a fireworks display for the 4th of July. Because every 4th of July, from 98 to 2005, I was on the missions field. Come on now, I'm a man of faith. (laughs) I remember when I was going to Kazakhstan, I was like, Lord, do you want me to marry a Kazakh girl? Or do you want me to marry one of the uh, Russian girls? Do you want me to marry Olya? I'll marry Olya. <laughs> and then the following year, I, I went to the borders of uh, China and North Korea. I was like, Lord, do you want me to marry like, a North Korean girl? you want me to marry a Chinese girl? 
I'm not good with speaking Chinese, but Lord, I'll learn. You know? And then I remember one of my, my pastors was like, oh, Columbia University is your missions field. That's why we support you financially. That's your missions field. So I was at Columbia University. I got to look on Columbia University. But the missions field that God permanently sent me to was Korea. A lot of people don't think of Korea as a missions field because they think it's this amazing country of Christianity where all these mega churches are praying and they are sending out all these missionaries. But if you actually live in Korea and you see the state of the Korean church, it will trouble you. There are things to pray about. There are things to honor, but there are also needs and things to pray about. And you realize that the Korean church, although it's huge, it's full of people that are like 45 and over. And the young people are simply not being reached. In fact, a lot of young people, the number one killer of young people aged like 16 to 25 is not car accidents, it's not cancer, it's not heart disease, it's suicide. Really sad. But the number one killer of young people in Korea right now is suicide. Whether they're Christian or they're not, you hear the stories over and over again. Young people, they're, they're, they need to be reached. And so God, I believe God sent me to Korea to really um, raise up a different kind of English ministry that's filled with the Spirit, that's, you know, that's got the impartation, that's got the prayer, and that's got, got all these like, different values. And that's the apostolic church. In order to also bless the Korean church and influence the Korean church so that they can be equipped to reach their young people. You know, right now, like, they, they fly in all of these guest speakers for these huge conferences or, like, these pastors' conferences where they're talking about, how do we reach our young people? You know, room full of 60-plus-year-old senior pastors, and they're like, how do we reach our young people? And they're bringing in these guest speakers who will give them insight, but it's just a lot of programs. And they're still failing to reach the young people. So I believe that, that the EMs of Seoul including New Philly, we're all there for a purpose. We're all there to really raise up a different kind of ministry that will influence the Korean ministries to reach their young people. Because right now, all the EMs, like I told you, they're packed out with young people. Right? New Harvest, uh, Sarang's EM has 1,200. OEM, Onuri has 1,000. You know, Jubilee has like three to 400. New Philly right now, we have about three to 400. You know, we're, we're reaching young people. Um, oh, yeah, why, why did I mention that? I was, I was talking about how I will meet my wife on the missions field, right? And so eventually I met Aaron, Pastor Aaron, in the year 2006. And when I met her, I did not think she was my wife. You know why? Because there was somebody else that I was praying for in New York that I thought was my wife. And then later on, the Lord said, you knucklehead over here, boom. And I remember one distinct thing he said was, your wife will be beautiful inside and out. And I remember one time uh, I went over Aaron's uh, apartment with some friends. And I looked on a postcard that was on her wall. And it was one of her sorority sisters. And they said, uh, Aaron, you, I'm going to miss you. Keep in touch. You are a woman that is beautiful inside and out. And that was one of the few uh, first signs that, got, that piqued my interest. Like, maybe she's the one. I need to open my heart, right? Anyway, don't, if you ever get those kinds of signs, all the brothers in here, when you, meet, when you meet the girl, don't tell her, all right? Don't tell her, I got these prophetic signs and the God's telling me you're the one. 
That's foolishness. That's not being a gentleman. You know what being a gentleman is? Being a gentleman is more like the movie Hitch. Learning how to romance a girl and win her heart. If you can't win her heart, you shouldn't marry her. All right? You shouldn't manipulate her with prophetic words like, God told me you're my wife, so open up your heart. Marry me. What is that? What is that? That's not loving. That's, just, that's like demonic. That's like pressuring her, you know? So if, even if you have prophetic words that she's your wife, just keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. And then after you get married, you can share with her. All right? And then she'll, she'll cry and you guys will hug and, and you know, you'll feel better about your marriage. <laughs> but another thing that he, my brother Michael prophesied in the year 2000 when he said you will meet your wife on the missions field. He also said young people will be drawn to you. Young people will be drawn to you. And he also said, the church of Jesus Christ, the church will ask of you for service. And so I interpret that to mean, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, Campus Crusade, you know, they asked me to serve. And Campus Crusade represents the universal church. So, yeah, I guess the church has asked for me for service. Not knowing that there was a specific Kairos moment where that word will be fulfilled. Remember, it says, it says here, the vision awaits its appointed time. You have to know that for every prophetic word, especially the big ones that you get, there's an appointed time. So wait for it. Even if it feels like every mission trip you go on, it's like, Lord, how, when, Lord? When am I going to meet my wife? It seems so slow. The word of God says, wait for it. It will not delay. If you release your faith continually in that prophetic word, it's not going to delay. It may look like it's delaying to you because it's not happening according to your schedule. But what's important is not your schedule. What's important is you follow God's schedule. Because God sees everything, and he's orchestrated everything, and he wants things to follow up and line up. But if you don't follow his schedule, it's going to end up delaying you. You follow your schedule, you're just going to end up delaying and postponing those things, those appointed time from coming to pass. So for, for that word, the church will ask of you for service. It didn't make sense to me. Until April of 2008, when I took over New Philly, and I was preaching, and I was leading, and I started laying down structure, and I realized, oh my goodness, God fulfilled that word back in 2000. Eight years ago, this is my appointed time for this prophecy. The church has asked of me for service. So what happened was the, uh, the Indian pastor that was the lead pastor of the EM, and I was just a prayer team leader, he ended up, I told you, right, getting married, moving to Chicago suddenly. And so the church needed an EM uh, lead pastor to, to rise up. And somebody got a prophetic word at the church that somebody from within was going to rise up. So literally, the the, the church, the, our Korean mother church, they literally came up to me. The elder came up to me and said, Christian, you are a mighty man of God. I see you're a mighty man of God. And we want to ask you, serve as the lead pastor. Will you pray about it? You will make a good pastor. You'll be good moksa. <laughs> and for me, at that moment, it took me by surprise. Because I had not reviewed my prophetic word from the year 2000. I was not looking for the appointed time for that word. I just thought it was already fulfilled. 
But it wasn't until months after I prayed about it and I said yes to it and I committed to it and I actually was in that position that I realized, oh my goodness, it's a direct fulfillment of what Brother Micah prophesied back in 2000. In fact, the Lord was very gracious. He knew that I wasn't reviewing this prophetic word. So in September of 2007, I met up with Brother Michael in, uh, in New York. Uh, for I was there for a wedding. And when I met him, he prophesied that a leadership magnitude and anointing was going to come upon me. And at that time, I was this full-time staff of Campus Crusade. And I thought, all right, I'll, maybe I'll get more leadership authority at Campus Crusade. But he prophesied a leadership magnitude and anointing. And actually... I have the MP3. I don't know if you're interested in hearing it, but I want to share it as an example of how precious this word has come, become to me because as I look back and God's appointed time has passed, it's so, it just gives me so much peace that God's in control. It makes me trust him more because I see that God is the God who makes known the end from the beginning. He is in sovereign control. He knows every detail. He knows every hair follicle on my head. Although that's not that many. (laughs) And so I just want to share this as an example to encourage you. Steward your prophetic words. Hold fast to the words that you receive. All right. So I'm going to just play play a little excerpt from uh, September 2007. So when he prophesied financial prosperity, he's talking to a young man that has lived in kind of a a low middle class all his life. And my mom had to support me with a, you know, $25,000 income for most of my high school years, you know. And so when he said financial prosperity, that work came to pass, like, almost immediately the following year. You know, there was all this uh, favor and prosperity. Um, When he prophesied this in September 2007, at the end of this, he also said that he saw a vision a pastor is coming around me and laying their hands on me and ordaining me into the ministry. So he said, are you seeking some kind of ordination? I said, no, I'm not. And he said, you need to, you need to pursue it. Remember that ordination comes from God, not from men, but pursue ordination, which is now speaking to me right now. <laughs> so I guess I should follow through on my ordination, no matter what form it is. Um, uh, so what he prophesied here, the leadership magnitude and anointing, God fulfilled it. You know, it was, it was a repeat of the word he said in 2000, but God gave me a reminder right before the appointed time. Because five months later, the church asked me to serve as the lead pastor. And uh, he also said, you will travel, teach, and preach. He said, uh, people will be uh, sent alongside of you, and they are appointed by God for persecution. Now, I did not like that. I was going, shut that, da, 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 and I said, oh, oh, Lord. <laughs> He said, God has sent people alongside you, and they are appointed by God for persecution. And he actually said, there's a person that the enemy is going to attack, someone who's close to you, between you and him. And a spirit of envy and jealousy is going to attack to try to discourage you and try to uh, harm you. But the Lord is warning you in advance. Do not be moved by it. And you know what? I, I heard that over and over again. But... You know, when it actually happened, it hurt. It really hurt. And it really caused me to be humble. And I tried to forgive and just to be gracious. But, man, it hurt. You know, because it, it, it wasn't just this one person. One person 
kind of try to harm me from envy and jealousy. But there were also several people appointed by God for persecution. And it wasn't easy, that first year of ministry, you know. But the Lord's so gracious. He spoke to me about it in advance, you know. And if we would learn to really steward and hold fast to the prophetic words that God gives, you know, it's going to release this faith and this trust in the relationship you have with the God who speaks. Um, <clears throat> in December of 2009, there was a, a minister named Vicki Porterfield. In fact, she is the chief intercessor for a guy named Louis Giglio. Louis Giglio is uh, the head of the Passion Movement. And he's a Southern Baptist. So he's not really open to all the charismatic stuff. But he's, he's like, he is. He's secretly open, but not openly public about it. He's a man who really discerns the voice of the Lord. And Vicki Porterfield has a strong gift of prophecy. And so he appointed her as the chief intercessor. And from the very beginning of the movement, he would heed and listen to the words that she would speak. And he would, he would adjust his events. He would adjust the schedule and the timing of the events around the prophetic words that she would speak. And Vicki Porterfield, she came to Korea in December of 2009. And one prophetic word she said was, she said, Christian, this is a young church. And the Lord is saying to you, develop the core. She said two things. First, you got to develop your core leaders. Identify those whom you trust, whom God has appointed around you. Identify your core leaders. Meet with them and strengthen those relationships. <clears throat> because out of that core leadership is going to come some of the key decisions. And so pretty much these core leaders uh, have become the elders of New Philly. And so about five months later, I started to identify those people who I felt like God's spirit had appointed to be a core leader. And I, and I gathered them together, and I appointed them as core leaders. And I appointed them in front of the whole church. And another word she said was, develop your core values. She called them non-negotiables. She said, if you don't develop your non-negotiables now, you see, the, the spirit of the Lord says that your church ministry is going to keep growing. It's going to expand and increase. But if you do not have non-negotiables, your church is going to be in danger of becoming a generic church. A church that caters to the audience. But right now, you are pleasing the heart of God. If you want to continue in that, you've got to discern what vision has God given you to steward and what are the values that you want to uh, have, for, that you already have, and that you want to continue to steward for the culture of the church. And so in 2010, after she prophesied this, our leaders, I, developed, I uh, put together the core leaders, and then the core leaders we met, and we came up with nine core values, which continues to this day. And these core values really identify the identity and the culture of New Philly Church. And so I would, I would encourage you, if your church has core values, memorize those core values. Honor and uphold those core values because those core values are going to give you keys and clues into what kind of environment and culture that God wants to establish at your local church. And it's connected with the vision and the mission that you have. If your church doesn't have core values, I would encourage you to honor your lead pastor and just kind of drop a little bit of testimony here and there about perhaps developing your own core values at your local church. If you have, or, or if, you have a, if you're under a senior pastor, make sure you, you pass it by him first, you know. But develop these core values. And so that was a huge prophetic word that we stewarded that really has blessed our church time and time again. And uh, I want to 
I want to uh, share with you uh, a prophecy that uh, Pastor Benjamin spoke over us in July of 2010 when we first met him. He came to uh, our new Philly service, and he prophesied this. All right, let me share with you what he prophesied. All right, this prophetic word was powerful because up until this point, I had a lot of insecurities. <clears throat> and uh, when I would, when somebody, when I asked somebody, I delegate something to someone, and they wouldn't execute it the way I asked, like, I would not be able to just let it go. And I'd be like, no, you have to do it like this, and you got to cut it like that. And I, I wanted it so specific, and I didn't know how I knew what I wanted. But all I knew was it was always there, whether it was multimedia, whether it was the finances, whether it's the way we run the retreat. Like, like I just knew how to uh, uh, execute and how I wanted things. And I felt sometimes a little guilty of why I felt so, like, demanding on regarding, regards to those things. But when Pastor Benjamin prophesied this, it set me free. Because I realized, no, this is the way God gifted me. He has put a plumb line in my hand, and I demand that the stones be cut to the exact specifications. So I believe this speaks into the administration of the church, but this also speaks into the discipleship of the church. And so I really believe that um, this prophetic word really uh, set me free and brought me to a new level of identity, a new level of the way I saw myself. There was a greater confidence and freedom and joy after this prophetic word went out. And, man, man, Pastor Benjamin, as he has come into my life, he has spoken some of the most powerful prophetic words, words that I cannot even share with you here in public because the appointed time for some of these things have not yet to come to pass. But let me tell you, some of the things that are even private and confidential that he spoke directly and precisely, some of these things have already come to pass, and I'm so thankful because without it, I would have just gone my own way. Because in, in the way I discerned it in, the, in my quiet time, I thought God was leading me one way. And then through God's grace, uh, Pastor Benjamin spoke and gave me clarity that, no, God wants you to go this way. Now, the way that prophecy operates, you got to keep in mind, is most of the time, prophecy should operate to confirm what God has already been speaking to you. Each and every one of you, you have the ability to hear the voice of the Lord. Jesus said, I know my sheep and my sheep know my voice. You have an inherent ability. The moment you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, and you now have the inherent ability to hear the voice of the Lord. The enemy constantly lies to you and says, no, you don't have that ability. But the, the truth is, you do. And so prophecy many times should confirm what God's already been speaking to you. But there are exceptions. And those exceptions oftentimes will come through someone that the Lord has appointed you in a position of authority over you. So, for example, Pastor Sonny and Pastor Benjamin. Sometimes I've discerned things in my quiet time. For example, the Lord says, do not go to seminary. You are a new breed of pastor, and God is raising you up in the school of the Holy Spirit. You know, back in December of uh, 2000, uh, January of 2011, that's what I discerned in my heart. And I told Pastor Benjamin that. And in the natural, Pastor Benjamin has already given me advice. He's like, you should consider going to seminary. Have you ever considered ordination? I think it will open up a lot of doors for you. I know that, you know, some of the things in seminary you probably won't like. But, you know, you just discard those things. Eat the meat, throw out the bones. You know, but it's going to bless you. It's going to open up doors for you. I feel like, like it's part of your calling. And I remember he gave me that, uh, that advice. 
in the natural. And then a month later, I, I prayed in my quiet time. I discerned, no, the Lord doesn't want me to go to seminary. And then in February of that year, a month later, I came to California, and I told Pastor Benjamin that at the Golden Gate Bridge. I said, I feel like the Spirit of the Lord is telling me, don't go to seminary. And Pastor Benjamin just said, hmm, that's good. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's good. And then the next day, I flew out to L.A. And when I was in L.A., I was visiting Zuma Beach. And I was looking at this beautiful scenery with my friends. I was enjoying Zuma Beach. And then a phone call came. It was Pastor Benjamin. He said, I got to talk to you. This morning, I was praying for you, Christian. And I was praying for you. The Spirit of the Lord came upon me. And he said, the Lord wants to give you a rich inheritance. But only sons get an inheritance. And the senior pastor at your Korean church you know his heart. And if you will honor his heart, the Lord said he will, re- he will release a rich inheritance into your life. Sons get an inheritance. The Lord is calling you to go to seminary. And I hung up the phone and I was like, no! Because I, I had already gone to seminary about two semesters part-time. And man, I, was, I just felt like it was a waste of my time, you know? There's some things I liked and a lot of things I didn't like, you know. But it was my act of submission and God, I feel like God set me up. I feel like God whispered to me in my quiet time, don't go to seminary. And then through Pastor Benjamin, he, he wanted to test my faith whether I would submit or not. And so I feel, I feel like that was the lesson he was giving me. And so when Pastor Benjamin spoke, I knew in my heart God was speaking through him. And that prophecy in that case was the exception. You know, it was uh, opposite to what I had discerned in my prayer closet. But a lot of times prophecy is going to confirm what God's already been speaking to you. But through trusted voices, sometimes he'll throw you in the loop. And in those cases, it's like a test of faith. So make sure you, you are able to hear, not, not only be stubborn about what you heard in your prayer closet, but also hear that the voice of the Lord will sound a lot like your spiritual authorities too. So, what are the prophetic words that the Lord has spoken over your life? That's my question to you personally. What are those prophetic words that God has spoken over your church? What are the prophetic words that God has spoken over your your leadership, your lead pastors? What I want to encourage you to do today is hold fast to the prophetic word. Write it down and make it plain. And wait patiently for the appointed time. And release faith continually for those prophetic words until God brings it to pass. Whether it's about your marriage, whether it's about your ministry, whether it's about your your business, whether it's about your education, just continue to hold to it and continue to release faith for it until the appointed time comes to pass. Now, one thing I want to end with is learning how to divide and discern between prophecy and divination prophecy and divination prophecy is the authentic gift of the spirit that comes to speak on behalf of the voice of the lord divination is a counterfeit gift it's a counterfeit of prophecy so it's going to sound and look a lot like prophecy but it takes discernment to distinguish whether it is from the lord or not Divination is a demonic counterfeit of prophecy. And here's the, here's, the, here's the bad news. The bad news is 
Divination doesn't always come through the mouth of a psychic or through a tarot card reader. Those are the more overt forms in which uh, divination will come. Divination will sometimes come through a person in the charismatic movement that's not undercovering. Person in the charismatic movement that has no accountability. They just go from place to place, bouncing around place to place. You know, the first night we were here at the retreat, there were two um, ladies that were standing by the door. And we don't know. God bless their hearts. We don't know, you know, what they're about. But they came in during the uh, impartation uh, altar call, and they started prophesying over people that were on the ground. And so God bless uh, David O. You know, he's, he's one of my uh, trained leaders. He went up to them and he said, excuse me, but uh, we only allow our trained leaders here to prophesy over people. And so they said, oh, okay, all right, all right. And he went over and he escorted them to the door. And, and then, you know, he tried to, like, be gracious to them. But he said, no, you can't do this. Why? Because we don't know where they're from. You don't know what spirit they're speaking from. They may even have a gift of prophecy. But the, a person who has the gift of prophecy, but they have a lot of demonic bondage or immaturity, they can still speak out of the wrong spirit, or they can package the prophecy in a way where they're trying to control situations or just make themselves feel good. And that can throw you for confusion. That's not a prophetic word you want to write down and wait for the, uh, a point of time for. Those are prophetic words you want to just discard, or you want to shelve away, or you just want to bring it to your uh, spiritual authorities and ask them, what do you think about it? And God will put a grace on your lead pastors, and they will tell you, I bear witness with that, or they'll tell you, uh, I don't feel anything for that. Why don't you just discard it, or why don't you just shelve it? You know, at, at my church, as we were opening up to the prophetic gifts more and more, we would get all these weird visitors. And they, they would say, oh, you know, I used to be at Bethel, you know, oh, you know, I was... Uh, I was at IHOP for many months. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm prophetic, gifted, all this stuff. And in the beginning, I didn't really know how to, like, provide safety. So I'll just let any knucklehead come in and, they, oh, you got a prophetic gift? Okay, oh, you want to prophesy over some people? Go ahead. And they would just prophesy over some of our people. <clears throat> or even later on when I laid down structure and I said, all right, if you're going to prophesy over people, you can only prophesy uh, certain things. But you can't prophesy directive things. Like, quit your job and go into grad school. Or, you know, leave this boyfriend and go marry this man of God. Something like that. The kind of directive words. I, I didn't allow that. But even then, some of these charismatic type people will come into our church and they will sneak in. And they will prophesy over some of our weak, uh, weaker, immature leaders. And I remember one of, one, of our, um, one of our younger girls, she came up to me and she was all crying and confused. Because we had given her a prophetic word, and then this uh, person that she didn't even know came into the church and prophesied the complete opposite. And then said it in such a way that if you don't do this, you're disobeying the word of the Lord. And so her conscience was bound. And she was like, oh my goodness, what do I do? Do I trust what PCMPE has said? Or do I trust what this um, person that I don't even know has said? But, you know, she really struggled because she wasn't at a place of maturity to be that discerning. And she was this close to quitting her job and joining some, like, weird, uh, charismatic local church in Seoul that had no covering whatsoever. 
And what the, what the lady has said to her was, you know, there's a strong leadership gifting and prophetic anointing on you. And God's calling you to leave this church, leave your job, and come join full-time ministry with this other church. And she really struggled. And so we had to be like, no, this is not from the Lord. We don't bear witness with it. But she still struggled. Just messed her up. And so before I close, I want to give you this, this advice. You got to learn how to divide between prophecy and divination. Prophecy and witchcraft. Don't think that witchcraft only exists in psychic hotlines and tarot card readers. Witchcraft exists in the church. A lot of times, well-meaning Christians that think they're hearing from the Lord but have no accountability or covering, they will tend to tell you all kinds of things and has nothing to do with what God's saying. Witchcraft is pretty much the spirit of wanting to control someone else. Uh, there's a book by Rick Godwin I would re- really recommend. Rick Godwin. Uh, the title of the book is uh, Witchcraft in the Church. Something like that. Christian Witchcraft in the Church. And it's a teaching. It's one of the key teachings that I do at, at my church. And it talks about how witchcraft, there's an overt form, and that's the occultic realm. And there's a covert form. It's a hidden form of witchcraft that exists in a lot of charismatic churches. So uh, I'll give you an example real quick. Uh, there was um, our worship pastor was courting, courting and in a romantic relationship with one of my leadership pastors. And when we, when we looked at the relationship, it was under covering. It was with accountability. And we could really tell that they were falling in love with each other. And we could tell that God was going to really bless their marriage. But when her mother found out about it, she didn't like it. You know why? Because she's Korean, but the guy was white. And so I'm not sure if it's just a racial issue, but she opposed it vehemently. And then she started saying all kinds of things that were not true about our worship pastor. And then on top of that, you know what she did? She started getting prophecies from certain deacons at local churches. And these, these deacons said, the, the, the Spirit of the Lord says that your daughter is not to marry this man. Or her life is going to be ruined. And so when her mother heard that, she told that to her daughter and said, you can't marry this. You're disobeying God. You're disobeying God. And then she said that she got all these prophetic dreams that they're not supposed to get married. And so it just broke her heart. And so we recommended, you know what? Although your mom's saying that, we recommend that you take a period of fasting and prayer and wait for their hearts to change. And ask the Lord to change their hearts. And so they took months to pray about it. They took months to pray about it. But the more we prayed, the the worse her mom got. And when she came to Korea, she tried to sit me down. And she tried to tell me what to do. She said, look, my daughter's not listening to me, but she listens to you. Tell her not to marry this guy. And I I just looked at her and, and, you know, I wanted to be honoring and I wanted to be like Korean about it. But in my, in my heart, I was just laughing. I'm, I'm not obeying you. <laughs> and I was just kind of like trying to reason with her. And I was like, you know, why don't you just meet him? She refused to even see him. Wouldn't even look at what this guy's about, what his character's like. We refused to see him. I said, like, why don't you just meet him? She's like, no, no. I've gotten a prophetic word, and I know what God is saying, and he or she is not to marry him. I said, all right, well, look, but I can't tell, I can't tell your daughter what you're asking me to tell her. 
That's just not, that's just, I can't do that. And she's like, no, please, tell her, tell her. And I said, no, I, I can't. But, you know, why don't you join us for Sunday service? You know, your, your daughter has really grown at this church. Why don't you just come by our Sunday service and we'll see what we're about. And she's like, ah. Oh. She started judging, judging us, and, and she refused to come to Sunday service at our church. And eventually, what happened, and uh, I'll just make it real short, but what eventually happened was she just didn't come to the wedding, and I had to end up walking her daughter down the aisle. And, you know, although that was still special for her, but, it, you know, it just broke her heart that her father and mother didn't come to the wedding. And what we've seen in the Korean church is a lot of Korean parents, they have this super controlling, like, spirit over their children. And so if somebody else's child decides to be a full-time minister, oh, God bless them. Here's some money. We'll support you. But when their own child wants to go and be a missionary or be a pastor, it's like, no, this is disobedience to God. This is not from God. And they will, they will, like, like, uh, they will take your passport while you're visiting home so that you cannot leave. We've seen Korean parents do all kinds of crazy stunts. And this is not just one incident. There have been several incidents. And so what we call this is, we call this Christian witchcraft. This is a form of witchcraft, and it's, it's a demonic spirit operating within the church and under the guise of prophetic gifts. And so you got to be discerning. That's why you need to have covering. That's why you need to have your spiritual authorities help you to discern whether it's a word from the Lord or not. And so... That's my message. <clears throat> Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for every person in this room right now. And I just pray, Lord, that you will give them, you will give them a heart, and you will give them a commitment to steward the prophecies that they receive. First, I pray you will give them a discernment to be able to rightly divide between divination and, and, and prophecy, between witchcraft and prophecy, that they will not only get excited about the content of the prophecy because it talks about their marriage or ministry or something like that, but they will discern the spirit by which that prophecy is being told. And if it's not the voice of their shepherd, they will learn to reject it or they will learn to submit it to their spiritual authority. And they will learn to eat the meat throughout the bone. They will learn to reject prophetic words that have nothing to do with you. Give them that kind of discernment so they can rightly divide the prophetic words they receive. And for the ones that they know has come from you. The ones that they know has been spoken through your voice. I pray that they will write it down, record it. And they will release their faith for it until the appointed time. For surely, God, you will bring all those things to pass. And you will be faithful to everything you've spoken. You know, I just want to pray before I close here. I want to pray for anyone that you feel like God has uh, spoken to you. And you feel like, you feel good about it, you feel certain about it. Even your spiritual authorities have, have spoken or, or confirmed it or they feel good about it. 
Anyone in here, you feel like God's called you into full-time ministry? I just want to pray for you if that's you. I want you to stand up if that's you. You feel like God's called you into full-time ministry. You know, the thing about full-time ministry is God's a lot more creative than we are about full-time ministry. So sometimes full-time ministry comes in packages that we don't expect. And when it doesn't come the way we expect, sometimes we get a little disappointed. Sometimes we feel like it's not the real thing. But mark my words, if God calls you into the full-time ministry and it gives you an unexpected path or an unexpected form of full-time ministry, understand that you are blessed because God is doing a new thing through you. God is doing a new thing through you. And sometimes full-time ministry may take on one form in one season. And as you mature, he will bring you into a different form. When I started out as the lead pastor of New Philly, I got zero dollars in payroll. I did it for free. Because in that season, I didn't even know if I wanted to go full-time as a pastor. And God didn't show me that at that time. He just wanted me to be faithful. Be faithful with this part-time position. And so I faithfully sold into the church. And about a year and a half later, the Lord forced me to step down from Campus Crusade and then opened the door to be full-time pastor over New Philly. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, start receiving a paycheck from this church. They need to sow into you now. You've sown into them. And now you are to enjoy the fruit of this ministry. And so God brings us through these times, times different seasons. And so you got to learn to embrace all the seasons before you reach what you feel like you should be doing in your full-time ministry. In fact, God's probably going to do immeasurably more than what you even have in mind right now. And for you to get to the perfect will of God, you're going to really need to learn how to submit and really be undercovering, be in submission. You know, people who are not in submission, people who are not undercovering, under authority, it's very dangerous when they are given authority. Oftentimes, people like that, they don't last very long. But God wants you to have a longevity. He wants you to be steadfast in your calling. So, so you got to always remain undercovering. And for whatever prophetic words you've already received, I want to give you Luke 145. Blessed is she who believed that there will be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is talking about Mary. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, when he got the prophetic word that his wife in her old age would have a child, he didn't believe it. And so the angel of the Lord said, you will be mute because you did not believe it. And then Mary got a very similar word. Even though she was young, she was a virgin. And the angel of the Lord, the prophetic word came to her and said, you will be with child. And Mary was scared, but she said, all right, may it be done to me according to your word. And then it was spoken over in Luke 145. Blessed is she who believed that there will be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. When you believe the prophetic words that God has spoken over your life, you are blessed. You are blessed. Father, I pray for every person standing. Why don't you lift your hands right now? 
I want to pray for every person standing that feels like they have a call to full-time ministry. Lord, I pray, just as you have, you have spoken to me in my prophetic history, I pray that you will really speak to them clearly. If they, have, if they have already been receiving the prophetic words, I pray they will steward those prophetic words. And they will release faith continually for those prophetic words. And wait for the appointed time. And if they haven't been receiving that abundance of prophetic words, or if they've forgotten prophetic words they've already received, I pray you will continue to speak to them in this next season. Speak to them so they do not go astray. Speak to them so they do not go off on a wilderness or detour that you did not ordain. But they will be in step with the timing and schedule of heaven. And I pray that in the entire process, you will mature them. You will give them the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Christ, as well as equip them with the gifts of the Spirit. And in everything they do, they will prosper. And they will do it with the anointing power of the Spirit. And the fruit of their ministry will bring great glory and delight to your, your heart, oh God. I pray for each of them right now. In Jesus' name, amen.